new sermon series, new set, and a new sensation. That's what we are here on Sunday afternoon and morning and any other time on Sunday, wherever you're watching this. It's great to have you along. Thank you very much. I'm joined on the panel by Fiona. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Excellent. And Stu's here as well. How are you? Hello, Joel. And I like the uh, reference to In Excess. Yes, I have been listening to a fair bit of In Excess lately, yes, so that's why. That's I off the swing, it. isn't it? It's my favourite In Excess album. I don't know. I've actually been watching the Live at Wembley video, uh, so that's where that's I'm, I'm, getting, cool. I'm getting all those songs. That's very that's, cool. That's why. <laughs> um, new set, guys. Do you like the? Can you can you smell it? It's Love like it. That timber smell. Do you like yes, it? Yes, fresh wood. Yeah. New sensation. New <laughs> sensation. <laughs> that sensation. It feels good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we decided to change it up. We uh, got through the Hebrew series, and Jonah. We thought, well. We decided, we did, the team did such a great job with the last set, but we like we got to freshen it up for you guys at home, just for you. So I hope you like it. Very <laughs> schmick. Uh, now, Fiona, how um, how has life been recently? How are you going? Anything yes. anything exciting to share? I'm I'm starting to get try and um, do some creative projects at the moment. Awesome. So um, I've been making some sourdough, and um, what else have I been up to? Oh, and I'm doing some. Furniture restoration. So I've been getting into chalk paint and oh, wow. um, just doing up some old pieces. So that's mm. been good fun. Awesome. Yeah. Have you done many pieces yet? No, just one. I'm just having. I'm just testing one at the moment, <laughs> and then I've got oh, about a dozen pieces that I'd love to repaint. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Stu, you're not too busy. Um, <laughs> have you, are, you, are you restoring any furniture recently? <laughs> no, no, not recently. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, that's great. Well, we're going to move it on before we get any more like uh, Antiques Roadshow. Um, and we are going to have I a song. I do like right a now. Antiques oh. Roadshow every now and again. <laughs> well, that explains everything, doesn't it? <laughs> All right, we're going to have a song now, so let's do that. is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone. seems to hide his face. 
my anchor holds within the veil Christ alone cornerstone weak made strong in the Savior's love through the storm He is Lord Lord of all When He shall come with trumpet sound Oh may I then in Him be Rest in his righteousness alone. Fall and stand before the throne. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love through the Again, and uh, it's great to have a couple of very close friends of mine. Uh, we have Tim, our children's pastor. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Excellent. And another good friend of mine, Mr. Lionel. Hello, Joel. Hello, Tim. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. That's a lot of hellos. How are you going? Great. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Is this on? Yes, I, th- I think it is. Check with the guys at the back, but I think it's working. Ethan. Yep. Hello. They gave you a head. Yep, they're waving. Hi. They might be too loud. Hi. Oh, <laughs> that's beautiful. Now, um, uh, Joy, uh, Joy, where's Joy? Where is Joy? He doesn't He's do anything. He's over there, now, laughing uh, yeah. at me. Yeah. Uh, now, Lionel, a question I had for you was, um, how is this YouTube uh, endeavor going for you? Now, have you, goodness me, what is that? What is it? What is it? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's an alarm of some kind. What do you mean? <laughs> it's <laughs> ah, gotcha! It's a prank! Gotcha! From my YouTube channel! Like, subscribe! <laughs> like, subscribe! Lionel's Prank Town! That's incredible! I've called it Prank Sinatra! <laughs> that's, your, that's, that's your YouTube moniker, is it? Are we going to have to listen to that alarm the whole time? I can't turn it off. Okay. <laughs> okay. Someone else will. Okay. Cool. Uh, now uh, the question is, I was asking, how is that? How are those pranks going on YouTube? Because now you've you've pivoted from cleaning a cleaning channel to a prank channel. Going great, didn't you see? Can't you tell? Oh, it's how am- good was that? amazing. Now, what other pranks are you doing? Well, I put paint in my dad's foam thing for the shaving. He had a pink face. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you put it in his shaving cream? Yeah. <laughs> wow. And was he? Did he enjoy that? Um. No. Right. But I did, and I got lots of likes. Oh, did you? They liked it on your channel, did they? Yep. What about? Uh, uh, are you doing it to all of your family, or just your dad? All the family. Oh, wow. Like, what else? What else have you done? 
I, I put a stone in the cup of my brother. <laughs> he drank his tea and then there was a rock at the bottom. Oh, goodness. Ah! <laughs> was your brother okay after that? Yep. Was it? And now are your family enjoying this? Um, when it's not them. Right. Do you do anyone else but your family when you prank? Uh, all my brothers, all my sisters, grandma, grandpa, everyone. So it's just your whole family? So whole family. Not leaving anybody out. Wow, okay. Because uh, I love them all. Hello, you, family. Hello, hello, the Lionels. Uh, Tim, what do you, what, TV, Tim, what do you think about this uh, prank channel? Do you think that's going in the right direction? Uh, Lionel, I, to be honest, I am a little bit concerned um, about the, the level of pranking you're doing. You expressed a couple of times now that other people are not enjoying the pranking. Is that right? Are you feeling left out, Tim? I can prank you too. <laughs> well, no, you, you got us just before with the alarm. Which was like, gotcha. Yeah, you got us. Um, no, it's not that I'm feeling left out. Is I'm wondering whether you're making some of your family feel a bit sad. How do you mean? Well, we talked before, Lionel, about how it's if it's not loving to do that, if it's not actually kind for your parents. I'm loving it, and it's kind of funny. Yeah, but see, as we talk about um, living the life that God wants us to do, and as we look at 1 John over the next few weeks, we're going to be thinking about what it means to live as a Christian, um, that actually I'm not confident that doing these pranks, particularly when your parents have expressed that they're not enjoying it and they don't like it, continuing with those pranks, even though you know it's not awesome, is not really the right way to live. Are you saying I should maybe stop doing it? I actually think that, yeah, that would be a good idea. Out of love for those Out of love, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about the love of my YouTube subscribers? All five of them. Well, uh, I think when we come to what uh, the Bible tells us about loving other people, um, we actually need to be caring about them. And so when it comes to the fact that you're pranking your parents and your brothers and your sisters and your aunties and your uncles and your grandma and your grandpa, that... that well, it's not real kind, is it? It's not actually living the way that God is asking us to live. When we look at 1 John, we're going to hear this read in just a second about how when we are seeking to live God's way, we're actually seeking to love all people, but particularly our families and our friends. And so as we think about what it means to actually be a disciple of Jesus, uh, that we're actually thinking about loving other people. Here's my challenge for you, Lionel. Here's what I'm thinking about. Love a challenge. You love a challenge. Here's my challenge. I wonder if over the next week, instead of pranking your family, whether you could actually do something that you know is genuinely kind and caring for them. Like make coffee. Yeah, Mm. for your mum. Give her some peace and quiet. She enjoys that too. Yep. Maybe (laughs) wash the car. Maybe wash the car. Not even on the weekend. Whoa, now you're really challenging me. Hey, I'll tell you what, Lionel, you know, one of the things is that when we are struggling to stop something that we know might not be right and when we're trying to do the things that we know are right because that's the way that God calls to live, sometimes it's, it's not easy to do that on our own. So I'll tell you what, Lionel, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a call during the week and I'm going to check in on you. Uh, not to get you into trouble, but just to ask and to see if as one disciple of Jesus to another disciple of Jesus, whether I can actually help you Mm. to live the life that God calls us to live. That'd be great. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, no worries, brother. 
No worries, that's, that'd be really cool. Are you my brother too? Yeah, I've got lots more brothers! Yeah, we're all in the same family under under God. And Joel's my brother! Yay! Yeah, that's really cool. Now, uh, I'm sorry for pranking you guys then. No, that's right. That was It was a pretty good one. I felt pretty loved because you were making it funny. You weren't hurting anyone. Try not to. Yep, well, uh, please don't put a rock in any of my drinks. Okay. Thank you. Well, I hope you found that encouragement encouraging, guys. We're about to read the Bible and hear more from 1 John, and so you can get out your Bibles, and uh, we can have a look at that together. And no more pranks! Hi all, today the Bible reading is from 1 John 1 to 2 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Thank you very much to Rona for reading the Bible then. And uh, we are here back on the panel with Fee and Stu. We're going to start, uh, introduce the new sermon series, Stu. Mm, so It's exciting. Um, one of the ways I thought we could do that was uh, just ask both you guys a question of how is Jesus changing the way that we operate or behave during uh, these COVID lockdowns? Fee, do you want to go first? I think it's um, the fact that we have a relationship with Jesus. Um, well, I know for myself, it's affected um, in a positive. It's been a positive thing in that I've had to think creatively about the way that I can express Jesus' love for us through the way that we live during COVID. So. Um, I've had the privilege of supporting um, some people from Saturday, um, Sunday morning, sorry, <laughs> who um, have struggled and, you know, been close contacts and things like that. People mm. in isolation who mm. are quite lonely. And yeah. um, 
there'll be more details to come, but we're looking at ways that we can support the women in the church as well and um, get into some creative kind of um, space with them. Um, but relationships, and I think relationships we've had to I've had to look at intentional relationships it, it, I suppose it would be easy just to kind of sit at home and um just enjoy my own company <laughs> but yeah but just to try to be intentional with um the way we reach out yeah that's really cool I think one of the things that I've seen is that uh yes I'm uh, have to be at home and all that kind of stuff but uh, something that we've actually developed as a habit now and I'm glad that my kids remind me of it is they're like, Daddy, you've got to read the Bible this morning. I'm like, mm. oh, yeah, that's right. So we go through the Jesus Storybook Bible. So that's something that's really that's cool great. that's come out of this. Stu, do you want to got an example for yourself? Yeah, I, uh, I think one of the big challenges is we're not actually gathering together, which is um, part of our fellowship, which we're going to talk about today from the passage. But um, one of the things I've been really excited about is uh, the church has got behind Lisa and Lisa's idea of uh, working with the chaplains like Amy to get uh, vouchers out to people who are in need. So it's um, mm. a really exciting thing that um, we've raised two thousand dollars for for those vouchers, and I think that's exciting. And more money's continuing mm. to come in. You can still support that program because what we're doing is that uh, through the chaplains, we're finding out uh, families that could do with some support at the moment and we're being able to help uh, quite a, a lot of people in the community mm. and uh, just last week I got a phone call from Sutherland Shire Council who were saying that um, if we wanted to apply for a grant from the council to help with that project then they'd, they'd, they'd love us to apply so mm, that's okay. exciting as well so yeah actually getting out there and helping each other is a really thing it's hard isn't it though to when we're all locked up and we can't see each other to know who's going through what but I think we're all trying our best to see if we can support others. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, that's really cool. Well, um, we are also moving on to a new sermon series. Our nice new lighting is reflecting the, the <laughs> sermon slide of um, One John that we, we're using. Uh, Stu, are you able to give us a little introduction to One John before you get started? Yeah, terrific. So uh, One John is a, a book of uh, the New Testament that we picked as a team at the beginning of the year and uh, just has been the case all this year it's been it's really timely for us to have an encouragement one john gives us some assurance that our eternity is secure if we trust in jesus and that he is indeed uh, the incarnate son of god who's come to, to be fully man and fully human and despite the false prophets of the time of writing of one john there's this encouragement to get back to basics and not only is it important for us to remember what the basics of our faith are but to put those things into practice so things like helping others and loving others is a big theme of the book yeah that's really cool mm. um i'm happy for you to go ahead and get stuck into it yeah so okay terrific we look All forward right. to it yeah thank you all right well let's uh dig into one john now if you've closed your bibles uh you might want to open your bible on your phone or in your uh, book form of your bible now as we look at one john that we've heard read this morning uh before we start i wanted to tell you a cool story about uh john who we believe is the author of one john uh in the letter he just introduces himself as the elder but uh, we're pretty confident that john is indeed the author the apostle john and um there's a really cool traditional story of john that we don't know if it's true or not because it's actually not in the bible but it's such a lovely story uh that i thought i'd share it and it may or may not be true but it definitely does um sort of I think, come from the character of John that you'd expect him to have. So the story goes something like this, that in his old age, John was too old to go to church. And during his old age, he still wanted to go to church. And so he asked for some of the young men of the church to come and pick him up each week. Now, this was a time before Uber, 
and it was also a time before even wheelchairs. So some young men apparently, according to the tradition, carried a stretcher to John's place and then the four of them would carry him to church each week on the stretcher. Now, that's a lovely story in and of itself, but the really lovely part about it is that according to the tradition, as John was being carried to church, he would teach these four young men week after week. And that that just sets my mind on fire. Imagine having the last living apostle of Jesus Christ being teaching you personally as you go to church each week because indeed John was the longest living apostle or the other disciples actually died for their faith. John was imprisoned on Patmos, uh, but he did live to an old age. Anyway, so he's, he's these young men having the privilege of having John carry, you know, carry John to church. Uh, what strikes me about the story, though, is according to the tradition, uh, which is lovely, he, John, apparently just taught them the same thing every week. So every week he would be carried to church and he would repeat not only the same thing, but the same sentence over and over. And the sentence was, love one another, love one another, love one another. And that's definitely a major theme of 1 John. So whether the tradition's true or not, it actually nicely fits with the teaching of John. Now, one of the things that occurs to me when I hear that traditional story is the first thing I think of is the young men themselves. I wonder how they would have approached that. First of all, did they... uh, if, if the story is indeed true, did they actually delight in going to pick up this old saint, this elder, John, to carry him to church? Maybe they might have, but maybe they might have actually seen it as a bit something to put them out. It might have been heavy, it might have been hot, hard work carrying someone to church. Uh, so they might have even thought, thought, oh, look, it's a bit of an imposition on me to carry John to church. It could have been. The other thing that might have frustrated them possibly is that they might have actually um, – thought to themselves why is this if the story is true why is this guy just repeating the same thing over and over and over like i got it the first time and i think that again uh, helps me to understand one john though because in a way this whole letter is very simple it's written in very simple greek in fact in some bible colleges they teach bible college students one john as they begin the the uh, learning of greek because it's in such simple greek so it's very simple language And it's a very simple message. And it is actually the simple basics of the Christian faith. And so some of us might come to this letter and think to ourselves what maybe those young men carrying John might have thought. Oh, okay, yeah, I kind of got this. Why can't we go on to deeper meat? Why can't we go on to deeper teaching? But here's the mystery in this simplicity. The simple message of 1 John is that we need to keep coming back to the basics of our faith in order that we do not lose track of where we're going we need to keep orientated to jesus and indeed that's why we've said at our church jesus changes everything so that we keep coming back to the fact that it's all about jesus but not only that the second thing is if we are going to live a vibrant full christian life the the essential teachings of the gospel is what flows out into our practical lives and that's the other thing i think you're going to be really excited about in 1 John because it is a call for us to live out the Christian life, not just know some kind of philosophical teaching. So let's let's have a look at the, uh, the passage in front of us then as we dive into 1 John that we heard read out. So basically in chapter 1 verse 1, this is what we read. That which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched, This we proclaim concerning the word of life. What a terrific way to start the letter. It's terrific because John is actually introducing us again to Jesus at the very beginning of the letter. So what he's doing is he's orientating us to the main 
topic, the main theme of this letter, which is Jesus. And he does that in a really terrific way because when he wrote his gospel, John, he does the same thing, uses the same language. He says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. So here again, he's orientating us to the fact that uh, Jesus was there with God in the beginning because after all, Jesus uh, is God. So that also resonates with Genesis chapter 1 where that begins in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So here what we're getting in verse 1 is a very clear indication that Jesus is fully God. He is the incarnate Son of God who's come to earth. Now, this is something that is really important to emphasize because there were false prophets in the community that John belonged to that had been teaching people to question the divinity of Jesus. So, yes, John is embracing the fact that Jesus is fully human, but he's also here saying if you're going to understand the Christian faith, you need to understand that Jesus is fully God and fully human. And to really emphasize this point in verse 1, he not only pronounces that, but he actually says he's experienced that. And again, there's this lovely um, uh, rhythm in this letter between your belief and what you believe and how you live and act and what you experience. So here we see from John firsthand, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard and which we've seen with our own eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. So John's actually referencing to the fact that he has shared life with Jesus. Now, John is actually a disciple of Jesus and he was a fisherman with his brother James and he was fishing when Jesus called him to join his discipleship group. And then for the next three years, John lived with Jesus. He experienced his authority through his miracles. He saw how Jesus had authority over the natural world. He saw that Jesus had authority over the spiritual world. And fascinatingly, he experienced firsthand Jesus' authority over us as human beings. He touched Jesus literally with his hands. He saw him with his eyes. He not only heard about Jesus, but he experienced Jesus. And this is the Jesus that he is proclaiming concerted the word of life. Now, not only was John one of the disciples of Jesus, we actually get some really interesting insights into the depth of the relationship between John and Jesus. Uh, John is present at all the major events in Jesus's life. So, for example, at Jesus's transfiguration, he is there and he sees Jesus with Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration, which is a really strong uh, moment in the Gospels indicating Jesus's divinity. And John was right there when that happened. He was also there, interestingly, as the only disciple at the death of Jesus. So when Jesus died, he looked down from the cross and saw John with his mother Mary and he said to John John this is your mother and he said to Mary Mary this is your son and what he was saying there is I trust and love John so much that I want you to look after my mother after I uh, died on the cross and so here John is depicted in such intimate details he's there at all these important moments he's not always um behaving properly at these moments. John was actually rebuked by Jesus when he was trying to claim who would sit at Jesus' right hand. He was also in the garden and fell asleep when Jesus was praying before he went to the cross. So John wasn't perfect and he knew that he didn't always behave as as a perfect friend to Jesus, but we get the impression that John is actually Jesus' best friend. And I really love how intimate this letter, one John is, in light of some of those facts. You know, we're talking about someone who really knows Jesus. Who better to tell us about what the basics of the Christian faith are 
other than this one lone living disciple, John. Well, he goes on in verse 2. The life appeared and we have seen it and testify it. Now, what he's talking about there is the doctrine of the incarnation. The doctrine of the incarnation says that God became a man. So when Jesus was born, we have this very uh, rich um, explanation in the four Gospels that Jesus actually was born of a virgin and Mary, his mother, was a virgin before she gave birth to Jesus and God himself with his father. And so this is what he is testifying to here in verse 2. And he's calling this beautiful reality proclaiming eternal life. Now, he's proclaiming eternal life for two reasons. First of all, Jesus himself is eternal. Now, my finite brain finds this difficult to understand, but I kind of get the idea that time goes into the future forever. I kind of get that. But the fact that Jesus, uh, God, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and God the Holy Spirit actually have lived in a perfect Trinitarian fellowship forever and never had a beginning means that time not only goes forward forever, it also goes backwards forever. And my, like I said, my finite brain just explodes when I think about that. So the eternal life is Jesus is eternal life. He has lived forever and will live forever. And here it says uh, that he's been with the Father and he's appeared to us. So what's happened here in a moment in history is that God has become flesh. God has become man. And in verse 3 he says, We broke we proclaim to you that what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, this is incredible teaching. Um, When Jesus starts his discipleship group, he's obviously calling his disciples into a relationship, into a fellowship with him. And Jesus himself says in John 14 that I am the way, the truth and the life. No one goes to the Father except by me. And what he's saying there in John 14 is that fellowship with Jesus is fellowship with God. And so the way that we can have an opportunity to join in the fellowship of the Father, Son and Spirit is through Jesus. Now, interestingly here, when Jesus was talking in John 14, he could have said to his disciples, I'm including you in the relationship because you're my disciples. You can join into this relationship with me and the Father and the Spirit. But it's so exciting to read 1 John to hear that not only has the original disciples been called into that fellowship, but we too who hear the message of the one who's been drawn into this relationship, we too can actually enjoy relationship with God as well. And that's what he means there. If you look in the text at verse 4, it's written there in the text, we write this to make our joy complete. We write this to make our joy complete. In other words... I'm very excited that I am in relationship with God through Jesus. I have understood that I've been invited personally by Jesus Christ himself to be able to, to, to trust in him and actually now be part of uh, fellowship with God. But to make my joy complete, I want you to be able to access that joy too. So there's a very other person-centeredness to this Christian message that we're going to see. And I want to really emphasize that here, that John is not just interested in himself and his own eternity. He's also interested in as many of us as possible can share in that eternity. Now, what he does next is he tries to unpack what the reality of a life lived in that eternity looks like. 
So here already uh, we've seen that Jesus Christ is fundamental and he is the message proclaimed if we are going to gain eternal life. In other words, uh, later in chapter 2, he writes and says that it's actually through Jesus' atoning sacrifice, chapter 2, verse 2, that our sins are forgiven and that is our way to God. Now, why is that the way to God? Well, because the only barrier between human beings and our creator is our own sin. Because we have rebelled against God, we are not able to save ourselves and we are not able to enter into fellowship with God. Jesus himself is the gate that we need to go through in order that we can get to God because Jesus died on the cross in our place so that our sins could be forgiven. Now, Jesus, being fully God and fully man, did not deserve death and he didn't die to pay for his own sins, but he died so that we might have access to God. And so this joyous reality is that Jesus' atoning sacrifice gives us an opportunity to be in fellowship with God because Jesus himself is God. So God himself, God the Son, Jesus Christ, has died in our place so that we can have fellowship with him again. And all our wrongdoing has been neutralized as a result. That's the first part of the message there between verses 1 to 4, that we need to understand that our only access to the fellowship with God that we also deeply desire, deep in our innermost being, is that if we access it through Jesus because of his atoning work on the cross. However, that's not where this letter stops. This letter then goes on to say that in light of our our, uh, restored fellowship with God, we now can also have a new life. And so this is the lovely rhythm of 1 John. We are saved into this fellowship with God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. And just as God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit love one another, so we are to express that same love. So Christianity is not just a thought system or a hollow philosophy. It's a way of life. And by understanding that we have been loved by God and we can love God, we can now learn to love others. So let's see how John unpacks that and helps us to understand that new way of love. This is the message you've heard from the human we declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness at all. Actually, I'll read that again, sorry. Verse 5. This is the message that we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, he is in the light, we have fellowship with, look at this in verse 7, with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And so there you see in verse 7 another reference to the atoning sacrifice of Jesus, which is the power of our new life. But what John's doing here is showing us this metaphor of light and darkness to help us to understand the new life. Now, this is quite an ancient metaphor. Uh, In fact, the Old Testament is full of this rich metaphor of light and darkness. And right through the New Testament, we see that extended. And here we see this in 1 John. What John is describing here is God is light. Now, God is light in that God does not lie. There is no untruth in him. And the light of God actually drives out all falsehood and all fear. We're told time and time again that the result of following God is to enjoy the fact that he is light. He is is so holy that he is above all else in that there is no sin or imperfection in him. And that's why he says there in verse 5, in him there is no darkness at all. So if God is light, there is no darkness in him. And I love that old analogy that I've heard many times, and it may be a little bit flawed, but I love the idea that when you turn a light on, the light actually exposes darkness 
There is no darkness in a light, even a small light. You think about the smallest light you can imagine, a little candle. When you look into the candle, there's no darkness in the candle. It's just light. And if that is true of a little candle, how much more is it true of the holy God? So the really great comfort we get is that God does not lie. So that means all of the promises that God gives to us will come true. So if God promises us that we can have eternal life in Jesus Christ because of what he's done for us on the cross, if we believe that he is actually God himself, then we can actually trust his promise that we will have eternal life. And we cannot be plucked from his hand because he is God. So John is really, really keen to say that in the light of the disturbing teaching of the false teachers who have been eroding people's assurance, he's coming in with a very bold claim that if Jesus is God, he is all-powerful, and if he promises that he will save you, he will do what he says he will do. And indeed, he gives us his Holy Spirit. One Peter, uh, Peter ref, uh, references this and reflects on it when he says that the Holy Spirit is sanctifying us to be more like Jesus in 1 Peter chapter 1 and 2. And what he's meaning, uh, chapter 1 verse 1 and 2, and what he's meaning there is that as much as we might be excited about our fellowship with God and want to think like him and be like him and act like him, the Holy Spirit is even more excited about our spiritual life than even we are. How exciting is that? Elsewhere we're told that the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And Jesus himself said, I do not leave you as orphans, but I leave you with the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, to guard you. And the Holy Spirit has inspired the word of God that can help us to grow and understand the light. And that is a process. The process is that we, despite the fact that we are sinners, are being sanctified or we're becoming more and more like Jesus. And we can enjoy a deeper fellowship with God the more and more we grow in him. Uh, I love that word fellowship. It's actually a really old word and it's not used in many contexts anymore, maybe in Lord of the Rings with the Fellowship of the Ring. Maybe that's one example. But when I was growing up, no one of my friends ever said, would you like to join our fellowship and come and play soccer with us? They'd say, hey, would you like to join our group of friends? You're welcome to join. So that word fellowship has also always seemed to me to be quite otherworldly and a little bit hard to access. So I want to ask the question today, what does it mean to be in fellowship with God? Well, to help illustrate this idea is uh, verse 6 and following because here in the text there's a description of how we can have fellowship with God and what fellowship is. It's basically if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. So there's something to do with walking in the light or walking in the darkness that affects our fellowship with God. Or actually, is it the other way around? Our fellowship with God which is a deep abiding relationship that Christ has won for us, means that we will not walk in the darkness if we have fellowship with him. Because it says there, if you claim to be in fellowship with, with Jesus and you walk in darkness, in, in other words, lies, mistruth, you can sin, continue to sin habitually without even fighting against sin, you actually end up becoming the opposite of what God wants you to be. Because lying is associated with darkness and it's not associated with living out the truth there in verse 6. Living out the truth is about walking in the light. But before we look at verse 7, let me draw your attention to John three nineteen to 21. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of the light. Because their deeds were evil, everyone who does evil hates the light 
and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives in the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that, and where, where was I? I lost my place there. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will come into the light for they fear their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. I think having fellowship with God is living your life according to the fact that you know that he sees what you do and you're actually keen for him to see what you do. Because when you're in relationship with someone, you don't want to lie from them and hide parts of your life from them. You want to share the whole of yourself with them. How much more do we want to do that with God if we really want to be in fellowship or relationship with him? Well, verse 7 back here in 1 John says this, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So the idea here, I think, is there is this juxtaposition between walking in darkness and not being in fellowship with God because we don't want to be. In fact, there's almost this sense that when the lights come on, we scurry into the darkness so that the light doesn't expose our evil deeds. But if we walk in the light, we're actually kind of offering up our life to God and asking him to help us to grow to be more like Jesus. And we're not ashamed of the fact that we're still growing into the person that we're becoming. We know as Christians that when we actually one day see God face to face in heaven, we will have all of our sin gone away. And we live now in the light of that. So we don't want to just abide sin in our lives. We don't want to have habitual sins that just stay there. If we're a Christian, we actually mourn at our own sin in the sense that we want to grow out of it. I kind of like to suggest that it's almost like a positive form of mourning because you can see you can have a, a really... Um, um, kind of mourning that, that gives up. You can think, I mourn because there's no hope. But you know the future of your direction is to be without sin. And you can mourn the sin that you commit now in light of the fact that one day it'll all be gone. And there's a hopefulness in that mourning because in mourning, in that sense, I can say to God, God, I know that I've done the wrong thing again. I'm so sorry. Please help me to continue on this journey, this walk with you, in fellowship with you. You're with me to help me through your Holy Spirit, sanctifying me, meaning making me more like Jesus. You're changing me day to day. I know that there is hope and I can fight against sin. In Galatians, Paul says that we fight the fight of faith. And the reality is for us as Christians that every single day that we're alive on this earth, we will be fighting the fight of faith. And some of us might go, that's exhausting. Like, that's so sad. Why do I have to keep fighting? I feel so bad that I'm fighting against my own sin. But actually, nothing could be more further from the truth. The truth is, as long as you're fighting, you're still alive. You're still walking with Jesus. You're still in fellowship with him. So the reason that we can mourn at our sin and have hope at the same time is that we know our Savior, Jesus, has forgiven us. And he's given us all the tools we need to grow and fight the fight of faith. And one of them, interestingly, is here in verse 7, fellowship with one another. And also the blood of Jesus, his son, who purifies us from all sin. He goes on and says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, and he will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But if we claim not to have sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So here's this ongoing metaphor of lying and truth-telling. Admitting humbly who I am in contrast to who the great God of the universe is. He is holy without sin and I am a sinner who is wholly saved by his amazing work on the cross. He has forgiven us our sin 
and he's purified us from all unrighteousness. So that doesn't mean I, I, I stop fighting to do righteous things, resting in this knowledge that God has forgiven me. But no, I express that reality. I express it and I live it out. And I seek to do that, interestingly, from verse 7, in fellowship with one another. So the idea is that I become other person-centered. I come back to that old-fashioned word fellowship again. Uh, when I was younger, I've already intimated this, I, I found that word quite strange. But I remember at our church at Guymer Anglican Church, we got invited to go to this thing called a fellowship tea. We go to the fellowship tea and basically it was uh, the parishioners at the church had all made a plate, often you know, cut sandwiches, chicken sandwiches on a paper plate covered over with a bit of alfoil. And everyone would bring these pieces of cake and, and sandwiches and stuff and put it on a trestle table in a dusty Sunday school hall. And we'd unpack a couple of the chairs off the side of the walls for some of the oldies to sit on. And there we would have this thing called a fellowship tea. Now, when I first went to a fellowship tea, I was not that. Um, overwhelmed I was like this is not really what I choose to do I'd rather be playing soccer with my friends down the road or going for a surf or listening to music this kind of daggy with all these people I don't really know the idea of the fellowship tea was we were meant to have an opportunity to have a space where the whole community of God's people young and old could come together and love each other but I missed that purpose because all I saw was the event I just saw the cut sandwiches and the semi-cold uh, or the microwave-heated pies, one extreme or the other. It never seemed to be eatable. They were either too cold or too hot, but you put a bit of tomato sauce on it and it worked. And initially, I'm like, this is so daggy. I don't really want to be here. But over time, as I kept attending these events, I started actually sitting down having conversations with the people who'd brought the food. And I remembered sitting with, with my chicken sandwiches on a paper plate, sitting next to one of my elders at Guymer Anglican Church, and they started telling me about how Jesus meant something to them. And then all of a sudden, as I started to understand that this was about relationship, not about an event that was supposed to be something I'd personally choose to go to. It was about a relationship with people Jesus has introduced me to as the family of God. And that relationship meant that over time, I started to understand that sometimes being in fellowship is not immediately satisfying. Sometimes it takes time to understand the benefit of being together as God's people. Because often we're thrown together with people in a church that we wouldn't normally be with. And sometimes there are other people in the church that annoy us or we don't understand or get on with. But over time, if we invest in fellowship tea, not for an event, but for the purposes of getting to know each other, we can actually see that we can start loving one another as John encouraged those young men to do. At the beginning of the talk tonight, I talked uh, today rather, I talked about how maybe those young men were excited about the opportunity in that traditional story to carry John to church, but maybe they resented it for a while. I want to leave you with one last thought. Imagine if they originally resented carrying John, and maybe they originally resented hearing him telling them the same thing over and over and over. It might have been like a dusty school hall with a Sunday school hall with cut sandwiches for them. But over time, I wonder if they started to realize. This is the last living disciple of Jesus. And he's teaching us every time we take him to church. And when he teaches us, he tells us the same thing over and over. Maybe that's important. Maybe the message of love one another is actually about serving other people out of the wonderful love that God's given us through his son Jesus. If Jesus has sacrificed his life for us on the cross, maybe as Romans 12 says, it's a natural response Better, but better said, maybe it's a spiritual response to offer our bodies as living sacrifices to carry each other. 
don't we need that message right now in COVID as this is dragging on and on? It will be over one day. We'll be back together. And maybe when we get back together, we should have a fellowship tea and have cut sandwiches to celebrate. I don't know. That's an idea for later. But in the meantime, let's do the best we can to keep carrying each other through this COVID. Let's continue to love one another, bear one another's burdens. Maybe today you might be able to think of someone you could send a text to or uh, drop a present off to or maybe give a phone call. And if you can't even do any of those things, is there someone right now that God might have put on your heart to pray for? Why don't we stop now and pray for that person now? Will you join me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've called us to love one another. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to do that more and more as we see the day approaching when Jesus will come back one day to bring us home. But in the meantime, Lord, through the ups and downs of this life on earth, help us to be other people-centered. And as we enjoy the fellowship we have with you, the knowledge that we have eternal life in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we might live lives where we can serve other people instead of just ourselves. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you very much, Stu. Appreciate it. The, um, one of the things that you were talking about there was the, the assurance of know, in the knowledge of knowing that um, our faith is not uh, I mean, even John is writing to false prophets and stuff about the assurance of having the knowledge of that God is fully man, mm. or Jesus was fully man, fully human. I was just going to ask both of you guys, and I might start with you, Fee, um, why, why is assurance so important to being a Christian? What, what, mm. And maybe even an experience you've had in your own life that's yeah. important. Actually, whilst you was preaching, I was just um, casting my mind back to, to the night that I, I accepted Jesus Christ as right. Lord and... Um, I was on a camp, Howard camp, and um, had this amazing leader who was just really safe. And um, I was able, I had the opportunity to ask her lots and lots of questions. And I was wrestling with God's grace and um, saying, "But you know, if I ask for forgiveness and then I do the wrong thing, um, does that mean that I'm going to go to hell?" <laughs> um, and then, with uh, looking at that. That analogy of light and dark, it's like our relationship with Jesus means that the light's on. The light doesn't go off. Mm, like we're good. living in that absolute grace. Mm. Um, and while I was struggling with it, I, I can imagine the light going on and off and on and <laughs> off. But what's happening with here and there and just understanding that unconditional um, grace was just amazing. Yeah, right. So yeah, I, I was so encouraged by that. Yeah, thank you. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. Um, I mean, why is John? What was the, what were the prophets saying that he had to really make sure they were assured of their own faith? Yeah, I think they were just uh, putting out um, questions that Jesus wasn't God, and they right. were, they were saying he wasn't divine, and as a result, there's where your assurance goes out the mm. window. So, mm. I, I think. I think heresy and false teaching is incredibly damaging to people's faith because if they listen to that, then they can have their whole faith undermined. And I mm. think John is saying, don't let your faith be undermined. And if you ever get lost in the walk along the way, go back to the light, go mm. back to the basics and go, yeah, Jesus is God. He is incarnate son of God. And the incarnation gives me great confidence that Jesus is not just a man with another hollow philosophy. He is God. And so mm. he has the power to do what he says mm. he's going to do. Mm. And so if he says he can save me, 
then he can save me and I'm not lost. And I, I love that analogy for you, the light going on and off. It doesn't yeah. go on and off. That's fantastic. It's like a Sharky's fan leaving the porch light on yeah. for 50 years. The, you know, It <laughs> takes a while to get the grand final, but we thought we will get one eventually. And there's, don't worry if you don't you know what that analogy is, but there was an old Sharky's analogy about <laughs> keeping the porch light on. I don't even know where it comes from. Big but, electricity bills. Oh, who knows? The light. Anyway, the light of that is if we can do that for a rugby league team, how much more can we do that for mm. Jesus? Mm. So there are days that are dark, but the lights are on. I think that's a great analogy. Yeah. I thought it was good. No, no, I was just going to say as well that um, I often think of the when Jesus died on the cross, like there's actually no light without the cross at all. And when the temple curtain was torn in two, that, that, that mm. gave us direct access to Jesus Isn't that a beautiful image, through the yeah. light, and it it's almost makes you teary. It's just so it's so yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. to to continue on with that that light analogy, or um, I don't know if it's an analogy, but I know that Stu, you said it's a little hard to understand the concept of eternity stretching into um, not just the future, but also in the past. But then, that's something that I was kind of struggling with a little bit, and I think for you've really helped me with that. Is that it doesn't say God light comes from god it says god is light mm. and i thought that was you've actually really helped me with that but i also would like i like there's a link between the darkness and habitual sin that if we lie in the darkness then the habitual sin is going to continue and stuff um i i was trying to think about how that works because i was, I was recently reading in genesis that it was saying um God's talking to Cain and he says, but if you do what is right, um, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and desires to have you. Mm. I was just wondering if you might have an encouragement for people from what you've talked about today, um, that if they are feeling like they are stuck in habitual sin, like what, what would you say to those guys that are, are struggling with that? Because I mean, I've gone through the periods of that in my life as yeah, well. Yeah, I think, I think it's very common. It's mm. like all Christians go through that. And I think the problem with sin is it can become a habit. And when we allow that habit to remain in our life, it can be very difficult to change uh, sinful behaviours there. But one of the beautiful things we've got in this passage is that we have fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. And the reason I use that analogy of the fellowship tea is that it took me probably many fellowship teas before I understood that it was about relationships. And then it probably took me many after that to form relationships with the people who were there. But over time, I actually had an elder from those days of fellowship teas at Glen Anglican Church who um, was Alf Norman. He's an ex-missionary from Papua New Guinea. He spent 25 years in the highlands of Papua New Guinea. And one day, Alf came round to my house and he knocked on the door and I opened the door and he said, I've come round for breakfast. <laughs> and I said, oh, I'm a bit busy actually, Alf. Sorry, I can't do breakfast today. And he said, no, nope, you're not too busy for breakfast. Where's your bacon and eggs? Let's have bacon and eggs. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is a bit presumptuous, but righto, here's my elder. I'll sort of go, yeah, cool. So we cook breakfast and we sit down and he says, now I have something I need to tell you. And this is after many years of knowing Alf, right? He'd built up a bank account with me. He'd sown into my life so much that I was feeling so loved and you know supported by him that I, I, I was okay to that he was coming across a bit strong. And I said, okay, uh, what, what do you want to say? Now, he'd put so many deposits into my life and made such a big bank account that he could make a withdrawal at this point, you see. And he said to me, Stuart, I love your heart for the young people at our church, but I want to rebuke you today that that's as big as your heart gets. That's lovely that you love the young people at our church, but you don't love as all your neighbours. Jesus says everyone is your neighbour and... Stuart, I, th I want you to think about opening your heart more to people overseas and people 
in Indigenous communities. And to that end, I want to take you on a road trip to meet some of my Aboriginal friends in Moree. And my first impression was, I don't think that's particularly sinful. It's just like I'm really busy doing my job. That's what I'm paid to do. But as I thought about it, I thought, you know, I had actually developed a ministry that was very narrow and sometimes sin is not just doing the wrong thing it's not doing the right thing and sometimes we and we talk about that in our prayer book service that sin can be yes i can actually willfully sin and have a habit of sinning doing actions or thoughts that actually offend god but also i can just ignore certain things and i wasn't paying enough attention to my brothers and sisters who were outside of my particular focus so uh, it'd be interesting to see your thoughts afterwards, but I actually felt really quite challenged by that and really grateful. And anyway, Alf and I ended up going on a 10-hour drive together up to Moree, spent the weekend with some Aboriginal brothers and sisters and came back, and it completely changed my life. And I think, you know, it's debatable, was I sinning by not actually loving my Aboriginal brothers and sisters as much as I could? Um, whatever it was, it was like something I needed to grow in. And the fellowship we have is is really helpful because we can carry one another's burdens. Now, in Galatians chapter 6, Calvin wrote a commentary on Galatians chapter 6, and he said, when we bear one another's burdens, sometimes the burdens we bear are burdens of sin. And sometimes the sin we, we bear is to help other people to escape habitual sin. But that sort of takes relationship to do that, doesn't it? It takes a while to develop a relationship. And that's why going to church sometimes can be boring. Sometimes it actually just doesn't feel like I'm getting out anything out of the sermons or whatever but bit by bit we're growing i had an old minister jack derrett who said to me once uh oh i I said to him i just not getting anything out of your preaching jack (laughs) and i think that was a very arrogant thing for me as a young 18 year old to say to my senior minister who was in his 50s but anyway i did and rather than rebuking me jack said when i said i'm not getting anything new out of your sermon just say the same thing over and over he said to me um do you remember what you had for dinner last october I said, no. He said, do you remember what you had for dinner two weeks ago on Wednesday night? I said, no. He said, do you remember what you had for dinner on Tuesday night last week? I said, no. He said, you might not necessarily remember every meal you have, but you needed to eat it. And I was reminded in that traditional story of John that was saying the same thing over and over. Those young men needed to hear, love one another, love one another, because we easily forget it. And sometimes that's not too hard it's fun we love people who love us back but sometimes it can be a bit awkward like when Alf came around to my house and said Stu I think you're kind of sinning by not loving and you know everyone you're choosing to just love some people I don't know if you feel like that sometimes too because it is sometimes easier to choose to love some people who are like yourself Mm -hmm. but to embrace difference and love others is a really beautiful thing to grow into Mm -hmm. so I think the message here that we're going to learn in one John is really exciting because it's how does Jesus change our life and how do we love one another better? And I hope that's encouraged you today. Definitely. Well, it's encouraged me. I hope it encouraged you, Fee. Me too. And um, everyone at home. Sorry. (laughs) I I sometimes say to Stu at the end, corker Stu. That's a corker. Yeah. Yeah. Alf Norman used to like use that word too. (laughs) It's good. Well, hopefully it's been encouraging and it is a corker for you too, guys. Uh, We're going to wrap this segment up and we'll be back very soon. everyone. Um, I hope everyone's uh, doing well. I have um, stress dyed my hair red so that's a thing. Um, also how 
How about that uh, grand final result? I think we can all agree, no matter what team you barracked for, the best team on the day one. So everyone's a winner. Um, I hope everyone's keeping safe and well uh, and you're treating yourself better than I am currently treating my hair. So um, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning and for this uh, time of fellowship. Uh, Lord, we pray, uh, though we are physically distant, uh, that we can still meet together virtually and be a part of your family. We thank you uh, for that opportunity and gift. Um, Lord, we pray for our um, brothers and sisters in Bree and beyond uh, who are um, facing uh, COVID challenges. We pray for Ike uh, and his team out there. We pray, um, yeah, that you would give them uh, strength and comfort um, during these challenging times and, yeah, that you would... Um, that they would know your love uh, and support. We pray uh, for our children, Lord. We thank you uh, for the kids' ministry and youth ministry teams and for the way that they have um, looked after and held up our kids during this time. Uh, we just uh, pray thanks for the break that they are having during school holidays uh, and just pray that they would come into Term 4 um, with a renewed um, strength and uh, enthusiasm to serve you um, and to serve our kids. Uh, Lord, we pray for our community groups. We thank you for the opportunity we have each week uh, to stop and uh, look at your word uh, and meet together. We just uh, pray for the leaders. Uh, thank you for the time. Um, that they spend uh, preparing and uh, and shepherding uh, their groups. And Lord, we thank you for the planning day last week. Um, we thank you uh, that it was a great time of um, reflection, uh, celebration and um, rejuvenation of uh, our community and church. And we just pray uh, for our leaders as they take all that information and put it into plans uh, for the future. And uh, Lord, we just think of those who are known and unknown to us who are sick and struggling. We pray in particular uh, for those who may be anxious about what is to come um, in regards to lockdown and meeting together and all those things. Lord, we ask that you would help us as a community to, to love one another with wisdom and grace um, and we just ask that they would know your calm and healing during these yeah uncertain times and finally lord we thank you for jesus who changes everything we thank you for uh, his teaching in the bible for his um perfect example of how to live as a follower of you and finally for his death and resurrection through which we can bring these requests to you today amen Bye. welcome back everyone thank you very much to nikki for doing the prayers for us uh, for this particular gathering um i'm 
here to wrap it up and to say um, thank you very much for joining us. Um, Stu, you were talking um, in the sermon about how fellowship can take time. You, you sat at the fellowship teas and wouldn't think it was boring. You know, it wasn't very enjoyable. You said even the people that were moving John on a stretcher would probably be thinking similar things about that. But what I was going to ask you guys to wrap this up is that your fellowship might be able to take time, but what does that look like for you? And what have your experiences been in terms of fellowship? Stu, you talked about Alf Norman telling mm. you after many, knowing him for quite a few years, what does that feel like? Fee, um, have you got an example of that where fellowship at church had taken a while to build up, but then you realised the importance of it and expressing Jesus' love with lots of different people at church? Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if I confused no, you. No, with no, questions. no, no. Um, my husband and I have moved around a little bit um, because he, he's in ministry and I suppose um, the importance, you can't keep in touch with everybody but um, I, I've been blessed that I've met a lot of different people along the way and they're not necessarily people who um, that we meet with regularly and um, as our church is expanding so much and we've got so many services. Um, I don't think it has to be a relationship that you've got with someone where you see them every single week. Like we've got long, long-term friends from Soul Revival that we've known for 30-odd years mm-hmm. that um, are in different services but they're always there. Um, so week away is something that we've really missed and we're looking mm. forward to having again. Yeah. Um, it was beautiful, Bev, to see Bev on the um, on the, um, the chip lunch, chip lunch. Oh, yeah. and that was just amazing. <laughs> I, I, like Bev has a lot of wisdom to offer, mm-hmm. and um, so yeah, just as we were saying, like trying to reach out and maintain some of those relationships in different creative ways during COVID. Stu, that's something that we talk about on the Shock Absorber podcast a lot. Is that we're talking about intergenerational ministry because we think that. Um, people's faith is strengthened by learning from people of different ages, whether they're older or younger. Um, is that where we're going? Like, is that what John's talking about in terms of fellowship as well? That's that we are refining each other, right? Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think it's it's great to do fellowship with people who are like ourselves. There's a lot of benefit to that. So if I uh, am a Christian in a Bible study with some other people my age, we're going through similar things in life and we can support each other in that and that's really exciting. So I don't want to diminish that. But if that's all we do in fellowship, then I think we miss out on some of the mm. diversity that there is in the in the ministry of God's people. So before I uh, had that challenge from Alf Norman, I didn't really know anybody in Brewarrina, but uh, God used Alf and a number of other things that happened after that to end up, uh, I suppose, giving me this amazing gift of, uh, friends in Aboriginal communities that have just shown me a completely, you know, different way of seeing things and in many ways and enriched my life so much. So I think my natural inclination is to just look for people who are easier to love and to love one another with people who are like me. But to just take some gentle steps, might be even just sit next to someone different in church. It might be um, just to, to, to pray for uh you know, somebody that, or, you know, go, you know, one of the things you could do during COVID if we can't get together is you might want to go online and download some information from Open Doors to find out what's happening to Christians in persecuted countries around the world. You might want to start praying for them, even though you don't know them. And you never know, you know, you might get to heaven and you might have someone come up to you and say, thank you for going to the effort of praying for me. Like, I really needed prayer and you prayed for me. Like, mm. 
uh, loving one another is not that we get instant gratification. We're used to seeing the results of what we do. And if we don't see results, we tend not to do it in our culture. But uh, what gives me uh, confidence and patience during COVID is I know it's going to end. And I know that I'm part of the fellowship with God because of what Jesus has done, not because I'm allowed to or not allowed to gather. I'm, I'm a Christian because of Jesus. So I hope that's encouraging a little bit yeah, in that's that, cool. but that's how I kind of think about it. It's cool because we have that assurance of faith and because Jesus is God. So um, hopefully that is an encouragement to you guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. And um, we have actually talked about a couple of the podcasts that we've, um, we are also releasing. So um, stick around. We're actually going to have a little clip out of one of those. Um, you can have a look at that and see if you're interested in watching that, if you haven't already. So Fee actually mentions you've already been listening to it. So that's very exciting. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, um, we always like to finish up with one thing, guys, where we say, my way. way. God puts you places. You just, mm. um, you don't sort of deliberately go there or do that. I think God puts you places and if you're open to the Holy Spirit working in you, mm, yeah, I think he opens up all those avenues for you. I mean, there's lots of times when I wish I could, I should have said something and I didn't and, yeah. or done something and I should, I, I didn't. But, um, but I think most of the time if you're open, you know, God, God will bring these things along to you. Yeah.